Hello, hello, and welcome to That Garden Show. My name is Shannon. And I'm Harmony. And we're glad you're with us for yet another episode. Before we jump into today's topic, I want to take a quick minute to say Happy Veterans Day both to you, Harmony, and to all of our veteran listeners out there. We're grateful for your service and just excited to celebrate you today. And I would just like to echo what Shannon said. It's definitely a time to celebrate our veterans. So if you have a veteran in your life, just take the time to to say thank you. And if you are a veteran, then thank you as well. I know it's always funny when someone says thank you for your service. Um, I was in the Navy for 10 years and it it hasn't gotten any easier for me to uh, accept that kind of praise and that thanks. But it is something that is is really important. And at the end of the day, I am proud of of the time that I spent in and, and I hope that you guys are too. Today is part two of our two-part All About Herbs series, and last week we talked about a lot of different herbs and some of their uses, some of their cosmetic uses, and this week we're going to focus on a few different herbs and more of their medicinal uses. So there's a lot of different ways that herbs can be used medicinally, and I think most people would agree that the usage of medicinal herbs have kind of gone to the wayside, you know, with modern medicine and all the different things that we have now, there really isn't too much need for it. But most of our modern medicine is based on a lot of the the herbal remedies and and the things that people used to use when we didn't have a doctor um, around the corner on on every block and and a walk-in clinic that everyone could easily access, right? So... It's, it's gone to the wayside a bit, but there are still a lot of people to use it, and there's still a lot of, of different ways that you can still use them. Yeah, Harmony, there's a ton of books out there with different medicinal herbs in them and their uses and ways to prepare them. And I know as Americans, we're quick to go to the doctor when we're not feeling well, and I'm not saying we should not do that. Of course, you know, American medicine and modern medicine is important, um, but there are a lot of herbs that can help with everyday things like colds or you know gout and arthritis, different uh, just ailments that people regularly suffer from. And I think sometimes it's important to just try to use that natural substance as well and not fully depend on medicine. Now, again, I'm not giving anyone medicine advice about a specific issue, but um, I just wanted to say that there are options out there that are natural. And guys, with that, um, anytime that you see anything that's labeled as natural, you want to make sure that you're doing your research on what exactly is in it and checking it twice. Um, A lot of times these herbal remedies or these natural products, they're not regulated by the FDA. So what you're buying could be amazing um, and it could be something completely different than what you think you are. So just make sure that you're double checking that and making sure that um, you're being safe when it comes to your natural remedies. Yes, please do not use yourselves as test dummies for products. Make sure you're doing the research, looking up the items that are included in things and getting as whole ingredients as possible. Um, We can just jump right into the first uh, herb. I'm really excited to talk about hyssop. Now, if you have not seen hyssop before, you can kind of picture what lavender looks like, that bushy feel with the purple flowers. Um, But ironically, they are not in the same family. Uh, Hyssop is actually a member of the mint family. It is a perennial. It grows really well in zones three through 11. Um, Here in zone six, I grew it last year. And initially I grew it as a companion plant because it does help deter the cabbage worms. It's kind of like a sacrifice plant for cabbage worms. Um, But I actually like the smell a lot and am really excited about giving it a permanent home in my yard. 
it is important that you do not get anise hyssop if you're looking for the medicinal benefits. Um, the anise hyssop does not have the same uh, qualities as the true hyssop does. Um, but the plant has so many different uses from ingestional issues, um, digestion issues, and yeah, it should definitely be on your list of things to give a try or check out um, if you have not heard of hyssop before. So with hyssop, do you use the, the leaves, the flowers, the, uh, the roots? You can actually use the leaves or the flowers. Um, they can be used fresh or they could be dried and then infused into different teas or um, tinctures. I have read that the fresh uh, flavor is better. Um, but yeah, you can use either, either part, the leaves or the flowers. Oh, nice. Cool. Okay. The first one I want to talk about is bay leaves, and most of you probably actually have this in your kitchen right now. I grew up with this being put in every single uh, stew, roast, stock, anything that you could think of. Um, bay leaf, they're sold in the, in the full leaf. They're not actually digestible in the entire leaf, so you do have to ground them up, but they are a, they're a perennial shrub and they are actually antibacterial, antiviral. Um, they are used to heal wounds. That's the predominant uh, medical use of them is actually to heal wounds. So they're made into like a poultice. Um, and it can also be used to induce vomiting, which is something that you wouldn't think maybe that's not really a great medical use. Um, but if you have a small child or you yourself like to swallow weird things, then maybe inducing vomiting is not the worst uh, <laughs> worst thing to have around. Yeah, I that is a very unique trait. I did not know that about bay leaves. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to talk also about ginger today. I know we touched briefly on this last week, Harmony. Um, ginger is one of my very favorite herbs. It has such great powerful uh, qualities with the immune system and with antioxidants. It can be used for stomach issues. Um, I personally love drinking it in a drink called Ginger Buzz that the Juicy Leaf carries. Um, mm -hmm. Shout out to Toyo. I know she listens sometimes. And <laughs> uh, so it takes eight to 10 months to grow ginger. It is a big commitment and it needs some warm, humid space. So for us here in Michigan, you would need to get it out there or at least start it inside and then get it out there right as soon as the weather is consistently warm. About June is what I think is the best time here in Michigan. And then let it sit out there all year. Um, it can be grown indoors if you're able to provide it with the right conditions. Ginger is one of those weird plants that it wants two to five hours of like spotty sun. It doesn't want the full bright, intense sun, but it definitely does need some sun to grow. Um, and then... To know that it's ready to harvest, you would notice that, you know, similar to garlic, there's some yellow leaves and the stems start to fall over. So I haven't made it all the way to harvesting my own ginger yet, um, but I'm really excited for growing the plant. And um, like I said, it's a part of my weekly diet. And ever since including ginger in my weekly diet, I don't, I never think I'm going to get sick. I do have some allergy issues still, um, but you know, I used to get a cold and or the flu every year, and I have not had those issues near as much since um, incorporating ginger. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. 
And I think all the herbs that we've touched base on here have been used for a lot of different reasons throughout the years. Mullion is super great for your lungs. It was actually used back in the 1800s to treat tuberculosis. Um, it's an expectorant and a cough suppressant too. So those properties make it really great for a cough or sore throat or anything like that. Um, with this, the leaves are used, but there can be some reactions um, if you don't strain the leaves properly. They have like these little hairs on them that can be kind of prickly. So if you swallow the, the tea leaves and you don't strain them, then that can cause some problems so it can actually make your sore throat worse. So you do want to be careful with that. And the best way to go about that is, um, you know, make a tea and then strain the tea through a cheesecloth. And that should actually be good enough to make sure that you get any of those hairs out. Um, this plant is also used kind of a it's another one that was used for like wounds and things like that but again with the hairs some people can be very reactive to it so you do want to be mindful of that when you're when you're looking at mullion that's good information i love mullion as well i had not grown it uh before but i was so excited when i went to a friend's house and they had a mullion plant and so i asked them when the plant was you know dying back later in the summer could i come over and harvest the seeds and they let me and so i have a ridiculous number of mullion seeds in case anyone out there is looking for some um, but like you said, it's normally more of a invasive weed type scenario than it is a purposely planted herb. Yeah, but it has a lot of great uses. So definitely, definitely a good one. Yeah. And just going right off of mullion, another um, more of a native plant, one that's not regularly planted on purpose per se, is goldenrod. The thing I like about goldenrod is it can be used for so many different things from gout and joint pain to inflammation, um, different skin conditions like eczema. Um, one thing that is important when it comes to goldenrod is to only use it when you need to. Um, you don't want to over ingest on goldenrod. It can cause you issues if you are trying to incorporate it into your daily life or your weekly regular regimen. Um, but it can be in a tea or in a tincture or a salve type rub. And also you've probably noticed um, in Michigan, we just have so many goldenrod fields that are just, you know, kind of naturally repopulating themselves year after year. Um, and many of those fields can be a great source of pollination for honeybees and for butterflies. So they do bloom late in August um, and then they should be harvested after the beautiful bright yellow leaves or excuse me, yellow flowers have come out and then they can be um, dried and used in various different ways like the tinctures and the teas. Um, one other thing I love about goldenrod is that it gets misconstrued often for ragweed, which if you look at the two plants, they don't really look that much alike. Um, the structure of their leaves as they grow tall uh, do have some similarities, but in my opinion, ragweed's a little bit more like looking like a marigold when it's going to flower versus goldenrod. It has those two beautiful yellow heads of flowers that come out kind of in a, um, a cascading way, if you will. So nice. Yeah. Nice. So my last herb, um, one that I want to talk about is another yellow flower uh, is St. John's wort. And St. John's wort, the predominant use for this is um, help with depression and mood disorders. So if you are currently on any antidepressants, um, my recommendation would be not to try St. John's wort. Um, if you really do want to try it, I would talk to your doctor about that specifically, um, just because there can be a lot of, of interactions with that. Uh, but it helps with depression. 
Um, and this is another one that actually grows um, in poor soil. It likes in the, it likes to grow in the ditches. It likes to grow. It's not something that is normally intentionally planted, um, with the exception of people that are uh, growing it, cultivating it, harvesting it, uh, specifically to sell for you know capsules, teas, and things like that. And in the in the pharmacology aspect of it, um, but you can find this plant all over the um, all over the U.S. It just kind of grows wild, and it's another yellow one that looks kind of like or it could easily be mistaken for a goldenrod or a ragweed or something like that. The um, St. John's War, is that more of a bush style though versus the tall skinny? Um, no, I would say it grows, uh, it, I guess it can grow in a bush or in a tall skinny. I have some actually out in um, by my shed out in my yard and it's like a tall skinny bush if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like a tall skinny bush. I, yeah. I had bought some seeds um, that I have not planted yet but I have some St. John wort seeds. I should have just waited and asked you. We covered quite a few different terms in our episode this week, so I do just want to kind of go into detail, into a little bit more detail of what those different things mean that we talked about. So um, a poultice, I had mentioned a poultice. A poultice is a mash of uh, different herbs. Um, Water is added, and then it's kind of made into a paste, and that's put over a wound. So um, the poultice can be used for open wounds. It can be used for bruises, things like that. Um, But that's what a poultice is. And then a salve is a little bit more complicated. It's actually a lot more complicated. Um, it's used, uh, beeswax is heated up. There's an oil infusion that's added. Usually essential oils are added. It's made on a double boiler. Um, it takes a little bit more time. Um, an herbal infusion is a tea that has been steeped for an hour. And then an herbal tea is just herbs that have been steeped for anywhere from three to five minutes, it depends. There are some things like green tea, you don't want to steep it for very long because it becomes very bitter. Um, But then there are some other things where the longer that you infuse it, um, obviously the more properties that water is going to take on, the stronger that herbal infusion is going to be. Uh, Shannon had mentioned tinctures, and tinctures are, um, it's like a homemade herbal extract. Um, So an herb is, soaked in alcohol usually for about eight to ten weeks in a sealed container much like an oil infusion Um, and then an oil infusion is just that herb placed into oil in a jar like we talked about last week we've got let's see uh, an herbal steam Um, so this is something that my mom used to do all the time and i never thought there was anything medicinal about it but she would um, on the stove she'd get a pot of water and she would boil it and she would fill it with cinnamon cloves um, a bunch of different things and it always made the house smell amazing but looking back i realized she only ever did this in the winter time and we had a wood stove so the air was super dry so that did two things it helped add humidity to the air but it also helped us because we it would be so dry from the stove and we would always get coughs in the winter time and it would help with those sore throats and those coughs that sounds really interesting i always kind of thought that was like potpourri for specifically just the air smell yeah it's nice to know that it actually has a medicinal value And of course, we're not doctors, so make sure you're doing your research. And if you really are concerned, having serious conversations with your own medical professionals before trying things out. And if you do use any of the herbs that we've recommended, we would love to hear about it. You guys can put that on our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter. You can leave it in an Apple review. We don't care. We would love that, actually. Um, But we would love to hear how you use your uh, herbs in your own kitchen. 
Yeah. And you know, Harmony, there's so many other herbs that we have not even, you know, scratched the surface on. So we might have to circle back to this herb conversation again on another date. Yeah. And from moving forward, we'll just be that herbal show. (laughs) Cute. (laughs) Did you not like that? I did. I laughed. (laughs) You want me to laugh? As we've mentioned in this series, herbs are a great addition to bath and body products. A company I checked out recently is Body Love Garden, based right here in Michigan. They actually are giving us 15% off, so if you're interested in bath bombs or scrubs or other body products, check out Body Love Garden on Etsy, and you can get 15% off if you use the code BATGARDENSHOW. It is time for... Party time. All right. Okay, Shannon, uh, first question here is actually a question that I have submitted. Um, I want to know, what is your most commonly used tool in your garden? Um, probably the small shovel, you know, the hand, is it called a hand trowel? I believe. Yes. That you can dig. Um, I'm also a huge, huge fan of bamboo sticks and I know many people would not consider that to be a garden tool, but I've built trellises out of bamboo sticks. I've used them to open, you know, little areas of hole in the garden so that I can plant something. It's just the weirdest way to say that. And, um, Yeah, so I really like bamboo sticks and the small trowel. How about you, Harmony? My most commonly used tool in the garden is my Hori Hori knife. It's kind of like a garden trowel, um, but it's more coffin shaped. It has a serrated edge on one side. So I use it for everything almost exclusively, actually, um, because, you know, I can use it to transplant. I can use it to pull weeds. I can use it to cut things. So it's pretty much my go-to tool in the garden. Nice. I actually have one of those, too. I just never knew the name of it. Um, Next question, how long have you been gardening? I have been gardening since 2014, so that makes uh, about six years now. Nice. I just finished my fourth season of gardening. Um, The thing I love most about gardening, Harmony, is that it is a continual learning process. I mean, I look at people who have been doing it for decades, and they're still finding new tricks and tips and stuff along the way. So I love that You know, I have some years under my belt, but I still have plenty of stuff to learn down my gardening journey. Oh, absolutely. I feel like, you know, I've got quite a bit that I know, but there's still so much that I don't know and that I want to learn. And it's exciting, like you said, to be able to constantly just grow and learn more. Yeah. And then to test things like you can read theories like, oh, this plant is really great grown next to that plant. And then to be able to test it in your garden and see, is this true or is this just what the Internet says? I love that. Okay. Um, the next question I have is, what do you think makes a good gardener? That is a good question. Um, I think it's kind of a blend of someone who's patient. I mean, obviously you have to have a desire to grow things. No one's going to be a great gardener if they're not interested in gardening. Um, but, uh, you know, it takes a while to get patient with gardening, that's important. And also just being intuitive, being able to pay pay attention to the plants, really look at the differences. You know, are you seeing bugs? Are you seeing a change in color or a droopiness? And how can I, you know, make this plant happier? So I think someone who's intuitive and passionate and patient. How about you? Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and throw patience out the window here only because I, 
was not, and, and in a lot of ways, I'm still not patient. And um, gardening has made me be a bit more patient because I can't have what I want when I want it. I have to wait for that. So I'm going to disagree with you there, but I do agree. Um, I do agree with the other ones. And I think to add to that, the only other thing I would add to that is resilience because there is so much failure in gardening. And if you are not resilient, then it can feel like, you know, you should give up or something like that. But at the end of the day, your failures are what really help you learn and help you become a better gardener. Um, I have learned so much through failure, so many things I will not do again um, because I, I learned the hard way through that failure. Absolutely. Okay, next question we have is what tip can you give of what to do now to prepare for the next year's garden season? Uh, my tip for what you can do to prepare for next season is to either start or really get going on your compost. Um, that's going to be super beneficial come spring when you're clearing out the beds and to be able to lay down a new layer of compost is going to be super, super helpful. So if you don't have compost yet, I would say go ahead and get that started. Um, and if you do have compost, make sure that you are doing everything you can to get that ready. Um, and if compost is a little bit too much for you, leaf mold is a great alternative all you need are some leaves um, you can cut them with a lawnmower I mean you can cut them with you know whatever you have around um, cut your leaves up and, and put them in a pile and um, in a couple months you are gonna have some really good leaf mold that will also be super beneficial to your garden cool um, on top I think composting is a great tip another great tip is if you have plans of expanding your garden for next year now is a good time to build those beds um, for me, I've always built in the spring and then felt very rushed to kind of get the dirt in there and then it's already time to plant and the next thing you know, the garden season's in full swing. So if you had, you know, intentions of adding to your raised beds or building a new raised bed for next year, now would be a great time to do that. And then you can put down some stems or some sticks or even some pretty large logs at the bottom of your bed if it's tall enough and then fill it with soil on top of that or that compost like Harmony mentioned. Um, and that'll put you in a great position for the spring and you won't feel so rushed. Absolutely, absolutely. So Harmony, I was just curious, do you have any good garden jokes? I do. <laughs> I do, actually. Um, this is one that if you ever read any of the Shell Silverstein books, you might actually recognize. Um, what did the carrot say to the wheat? What? Let us rest. I'm feeling beat. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. I needed that little chuckle. I, I looked up one for you. Are you ready? What I type ready. of socks does a gardener wear? What type of socks does a gardener wear? Garden hose. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, feel free, feel free to submit your own garden jokes or just to let us know um, how silly you think ours were. Either way, we're, we're good with either one. We just want to talk to you guys. Yeah. Okay, guys, it looks like that's it for this episode. Be sure to check us out on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review.